Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man. It's 2022 in these remote podcasting by choices. Richard Herring. Hello, my finest friends. This is very weird. Welcome to uh, remote Richard Herring's Lardas Seditious Traitor podcast. We're recording this on January the 6th, 2022. So as a little tribute to Donald Trump and his fans. I'm naming it after him. So I was talking to the insurrection of January the 6th, 2021, the other day, and Jake Angeli, the QAnon shaman, as he's sometimes known, he calls it R. Hullastapa. So I call QAnon Quanon. So, you know, we're we're equal on that. Yes, uh, it's it's the first remote one we've done for, for what feels like years. Uh, we have an international guest. Uh, but we have a we have a little back we have a little gap where we haven't got any live ones to put out. So I'm gonna and you know I think we might try and do a few more of these with international guests. It's very exciting. Um, and 
we are doing some more live ones very soon. Look at richhang.com slash gigs and you can find out about that. We've got, we're going to be at the Phoenix uh, in Oxford Circus uh, and for two weeks. And we're going to be at the Leicester Comedy Festival. We're going to be at the Bristol Slapstick Festival. And then we're back at the Leicester Square Theatre and we're live streaming those. So you can watch them anywhere in the world. Uh, the Kickstarter is still going. It's hit its target. Rahalaspa.co.uk slash Kickstarter if you want to get a season pass or any of the extras. Uh, but you don't have to. Uh, but you won't be able to get the season pass. After that Kickstarter is over, you'll have to pay for in, individual episodes if you want to live stream. Up to you. Anyway, I'm looking at the at the news. I'm able to look at the news because this one's going out almost immediately. Uh, and uh, uh, I was the story about the little baby from Nirvana. Uh, Spencer Eldon is called. He's uh, he had made a failed attempt to sue Nirvana for sexual exploitation because you'll see there his baby Winky is clearly displayed <laughs> on the cover of uh, Nevermind there. And uh, I expect a lot of people masturbated over that image. Uh, the rest of him is there as well. It's not just his winky. Then it would be sexual exploitation. Uh, the most surprising bit of the story that I saw, though, was that he has used the the, uh, the people arguing against his argument. He, he failed to sue Nirvana because it's ridiculous. Uh, and the opposing lawyer said he has used his connection to try to pick up women, uh, which I, the word try is doing a lot of work there. And it's noteworthy that he has never used the connection to successfully pick up a woman because who would be into that? Do you want to have sex with the baby from Nevermind? No, mate, I don't really fancy that at all. No, no, wait, no, now he's grown up, I mean. But you've put the thought of him, by which I assume you mean you, being a baby, and I wouldn't be able to shake that now, because if you're approached this, I'll be thinking I'm having sex with the Nevermind baby while it's happening, and I'm sorry, that's not something I'm into. Good luck in your quest to find a woman who is turned on by baby dicks. No, all I'm saying is I'm famous. I'm the baby from the cover. So you claim, but anyone could say that. But also, even if it is you, you're only famous for being a baby. So I'm going to try and help you out of here. Don't ever use this as a chat up line again. I thought women like babies. That's a bit of a generalization. And even if it's true, I would say practically none of them like to have sex with babies or to have a conversation with someone who, who makes them think about that. I'd say it was one of our main turnoffs. Uh, you don't know what you're missing. I'm missing out on having sex with the man whose main achievement was being unknowingly dunked in some water and who decades later has nothing else he can try and impress strangers with. Hold on, I tried to sue Nirvana for sexual exploitation. Who would try and exploit a baby in a way to, to get people to like them? Oh, wait, I hear it now. My bad. Um, <laughs> just remember this. All the people you'll ever have sex with were once babies, so you're not so perfect yourself. In fact, I'm going to sue you for sexual exploitation. Anyway, there you go. That's my... Apparently, I wrote all that, and then I and then someone tweeted me and said, apparently his actual chat-up line was, would you like to see my penis again? Which is possibly much worse than what I just imagined. <laughs> uh, the other great news which I will just quickly look at uh, from this week, uh, is the 90 Day Fiancé star. I don't know what that is, because I'm an old man. Uh, made £38,000 a week selling farts in a jar. Was been hospitalised because uh, she thought she was having a stroke. Um, I've got the story here. I'll bring my other computer across. It's hot off the presses. Um, she's got 260,000 followers, and she charges $1,000 for a fart in a jar. Now, you know, I've just mentioned my Kickstarter, and this is giving me ideas. If it's, if someone will pay a 1000 I mean, her, her farts are probably quite nice smelling. Mine smell awful. I've just did one when just before my guest came on and really smelled. So I could get that in a jar for you. Uh, she was hospitalised after, because she, she'd been eating, like, stuff to try and make her fart, and then she got anxious, and then she had to go to hospital having a... That she thought she was having a stroke, she thought she was going to die. Uh, I was advised to change my diet and to take a gas suppressant medication, which effectively ended my business. So now what she's doing, uh, instead of selling her own farts, she's purchasing, she's selling digital artworks on a blockchain of her farts, which I hope will still sell for $1,000. Absolutely incredible. 
Um, but, you know, who am I to talk after all the Kickstarter things I've put you through? Uh, and that might be next. Um, hope you're having a good 2002. I didn't stay up uh, for the new year. I went to bed at nine o'clock because we were really tired. Uh, but I was woken at about one o'clock in the morning. My start to the year 2002 was my son having a prodigious nosebleed. He said he was he needed to blow his nose, so I gave him some tissue in the dark. He blew his nose, he handed it back, and it was black, and I couldn't understand what was going on. And then I turned on the lights, and there was blood everywhere. So I don't know if that's symbolic of what's coming for 2022, everyone. Let's hope not. I hope not. Uh, although we were having Christmas dinner or a couple of days after Christmas dinner, and everyone was joking around, the adults and the kids were all together, and Ernie was doing lots of poo jokes and laughing joining in the conversation. And uh, I said, come on, Ernie, that's enough. That's enough with the poo jokes. Uh, and then he kind of, very, like a real comedian would, suddenly he went, he crumpled and he said, I don't know any adult jokes, so I have to do poo jokes. He said it so sadly. And it was like, it was just the heart of a comedian. That's exactly, I mean, you know, it's I could have said that quite easily myself. <laughs> um, but uh, there we go. It's uh, It was it was a beautiful moment and I felt bad. So, oh, sorry, put the wrong thing on. Uh, Still getting used to this. Uh, that's what I want. Uh, it was a beautiful moment. And, um, yeah, very telling. He's going to be a comedian. Uh, and he's just going to be one like his dad, unfortunately, for him. Uh, look, let's crack on. My guest this week, uh, he's been on before. He's probably best known as the traffic warden in Grimsby. That's what we've <laughs> all seen him doing. That's why we're here today to watch this. Will you please welcome, he's too gorgeous, it's Peter Bainham. Here he Hi. is. How are you doing? I'm good. I've actually tried to pick up women by saying I'm the traffic warden in Grimsby. <laughs> and how's that? Is that? And, and then I said I told them that I was exploited by being when I was much younger, <laughs> being used as the traffic warden in Grimsby. Well, yes. uh, Rob uh, Bryden was the traffic warden in uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoke Smoking Barrels, and that was sort of the part that projected mm. into fame. So I wondered if. Being a traffic warden in Grimsby had had the same, the, or the mm. Brothers Grimm, it was called. Was it called the Brothers Grimm in the UK? Or it's was called, it called the Brothers, Brothers Grimsby. Grimsby. Um, I think in the US, right? Which I never really understood. And then Grimsby <laughs> in the UK. Okay. Yeah. Because right. yeah. well, they don't know what Grimsby is, do they? So that's. But then Grimsby's mm. still in the title the other way. So yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any funny it's... stories from your time on the set at, uh, in Grimsby? Um. No. <laughs> Um, no, I'm not very good with funny stories. Um, I'm just no, trying to think. I didn't think no. there would be. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't no. a very, it, out of all the Sasha Baron Cohen films, mm. that was arguably the least successful one. Um, Have you it, been? Yeah, it was inarguably. <laughs> <laughs> it was, think... there's, there's very hard evidence for that, Rich. <laughs> there's, there's more, <laughs> it's very clear. Um, no, I remember do you feel getting... it was the, do you feel it was because of you that, 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 that that's what jinxed it? I think, yeah, yeah. I think if they'd taken out the, the well, my writing, but obviously also the traffic <laughs> warden scene is what, like, it um, destroyed it. I do remember getting a phone call on the morning. Not that box office is the only measure of, of a movie's quality or success, but <laughs> although it's a very useful one. And I remember getting a call on the Saturday morning to be told how it had done and telling my wife, Sarah, and she just laughed. <laughs> it's just, it's just the only appropriate response and how unbelievably yeah it, it, it badly it had done so yeah you know it's like it, it's a well, strange business isn't it it's a, because yeah. it's the same same team exactly yeah. the same pe- writers and the same star yeah i and know just sometimes yeah. something flies and, and sometimes yes, it doesn't 
and yet you have a, you know. Um, I was approached um, at my uncle, my wife's uncle Don's memorial service in Wisconsin in the summer um, by a woman who said, will you please speak to my son, uh, who's a giant fan of the Brothers Grimsby, and <laughs> took me over to this big, shaking 15-year-old boy <laughs> who was a giant, giant fan of it. I think it has got a fan base in 15-year-old yeah. boys, you know. Which is obviously okay. where it was aimed. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, 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 to be honest, I, I, have, I didn't watch that one for research, and it's one of mm. the ones I haven't seen. I've seen yeah. it pretty much everything else you've done. It's got so some I funny scenes have... in it, but uh, yeah, yeah, it didn't. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It wasn't. No, uh, yeah, I'm not yeah. here just to pick up all the things that have gone badly for you, Pete. That's well, not just because I know you've got a very successful career, and I'm not just going to concentrate. Oh, I thought I expected the... you were. That's what you did the last yeah, time no, I came on. So I did. Yeah, I have <laughs> used most of them up. So, you know, I'm going to have to talk about... <laughs> I was hoping okay. you'd have done something else bad since we were last mm. on, but I think everything you've done mm. since you were last on has been good, unless I'm oh, mistaken, unless I've missed something. I think everything is mm. actually all right. So, you mm. know, we'll, we'll have to work work out on that. What, mm. um, yeah, well, I suppose we, you, I was going to ask you about the chat up lines, which I suppose you know, you've almost mm. covered, but have you, have you, have you had a worst, worst chat up line then? Would you like to see my penis again? If you're aware, have you, have you ever, did we, we, did you ever try? I was never a chat up line kind of person. I don't suppose you were I, either. I, no, no, I was, I remember, no, I was terrible. I couldn't chat anyone up. Actually, yeah. one time, um, I did have this experience, this horrific experience in LA before I met my wife, where I went out on a date with a woman I had a giant crush on. And um, I ended up in her house. Really? Oh, yeah, we ended up in a line, da- a gay line dancing bar. And that okay. wasn't good. And I hired, I rented a, um, I think I was trying to go through a terrible, terrible, shameful phase of trying to seem like an interesting British man in America. <laughs> <laughs> and I and that my method well I I rented a um uh, a convertible mini I went on this date with her and ended up back at her house and and got very very drunk and um at one point said to her I, I that's right I got bad gas from drinking too much Pacifico beer um and so I went into her toilet because I couldn't stop burping and, <laughs> and I went in the toilet. And I was in there for about 20 minutes. And every time I burped, this is so pathetic, I flushed the toilet <laughs> to cover the sound of the burp. I was very wow. drunk. Um, and I kept flushing the toilet. And obviously then she just thought I was having a massive poo. And so it went, it backfired. And then I came out and I sat down next to her. And I remember saying to her, do you think we should kiss now? And she just <laughs> went, no. And then I remember being ridiculed by people after that. Like, that's the worst it's not. Uh, it's, not a, it's just ineffective because it shows lack of confidence. <laughs> Do you think we should kiss? I don't it, know. It's quite. It also it's quite charming. It's it's charming, but if you don't, if if you're not sitting opposite a woman who thinks you've got uh, diarrhea. Yeah, so um, that's yeah. true. So that well, things yeah. like that can sometimes work, and sometimes they can ruin it. Sometimes some people like the kind of obvious spoken, and some people think it ruins it. If you, you know, yes. I've been in the situations where I've ruined it by going, "Something's going on here, isn't it?" They go, "Oh, you've ruined it yeah. now," and then that's um, so. Like sometimes you've got to play it cool, and sometimes you haven't. I guess the problem that's kind of I'm just watching Seinfeld from the beginning again because mm. it's all on Netflix, and that's very much like the kind of thing that would happen in Seinfeld. And when you're watching Seinfeld, you think. 
Why doesn't Seinfeld just say to the woman, <laughs> "I've got, I'm really burp. I've got some bad burps, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm doing in here. I'm not, I'm not doing a horrible shit, mm-hmm. as it <laughs> seems." <laughs> but there you go. That's why you don't, because you're sort of you're sort of worried about it. But I, mm-hmm. I suppose chat up. The problem with chat up lines is that they are, I, I, you know, I think looking back I, in my late thirties and forties, I would dated quite a bit before I met my wife, and I got mm-hmm. I got fairly good at dating, and and the the skill of it is to it's an improvisational skill, isn't it? To yeah. to chat someone up. So if you go in with something that's clearly a line that you have, at least that one he's written himself, mm. the baby, the Nirvana baby man. <laughs> but, uh, but they're usually something like, oh, you, they're, they're usually like something, get your coat you've pulled or I can't even think of a oh, good one. Smooth lines. I can't believe it. Yeah. Although I think that the blokes, I used, to, I used to think the blokes who did those things, they did it by attrition, didn't they? They were just, I mean, obviously some of those guys would now be exposed as having very sinister and horrible. But that whole <laughs> yeah. thing of like, I'm, I remember knowing somebody once, just like they would just happily go up to 25 women in a bar and try and talk yeah. to them until one of them spoke to them. And it was that, and I was always so terrified from the very beginning to ever speak to a woman. So therefore, yeah. Um, but I was thinking of that Nirvana man, like did he not, when he was trading on his babiness, <laughs> Did, yeah. he, did he ever say anything like, I mean, I don't look like that now. My penis is... <laughs> well, that's, what you're just, that's, like, that's, that's me. I mean, I'm, my penis is bigger now, of course. <laughs> or it's just often... a, I, don't think you, I don't think you did. I think he just thought it was cute. Uh, you know, yeah. like... Yeah. I, if if feel... people knew if people knew who you were... Because presumably you've then got to go, yeah. by the way, I'm the uh, baby mm. from the Nirvana... <laughs> So well, in my it doesn't even work unless you go. No. Hi, I'm. The, you'd have to go. Hi, I'm the. Yeah, no, 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 that baby. Oh, that's me. Would you yeah. like to see my penis again? And that's mm. too long. Yes. But for the joke to work, you have to explain who you are because he's not a yeah. known figure. Mm. So yes. yeah, he, I, well, it didn't. I mean, you know, the, the actual newspaper article says he tried. The, the lawyer said he mm. tried to pick up women using that, which suggests he mm. never successfully picked up a woman doing that, or it would be. He can successfully persuade it with it. I mean, I never, I can promise you, I never used my pot noodle <laughs> catchphrase to try and pick up a woman, but I did get forced. Did I, tell, I did get forced to, to say it in Cardiff as many times. During, like, during sex. During sex, yeah. Man, like, <laughs> but I, no, I got offered, but I, got, I, I got approached during that period of my life in yeah. Cardiff by big drunk men with a pint in each hand, <laughs> those kind of blokes. So Cardiff yeah. by night guys who would just say, hey, Jim! and then they'd say, um, say, I might've said this on your previous podcast, but like say, <laughs> please say it again, please. But they would say, good, do your catchphrase then. And I go, uh, I'd, I'd, ra- I'd really rather not say it. And I go, um, uh, pot noodles, they're, they're too gorgeous in the voice. <laughs> and then I go, and I'd have to go, they're too gorgeous. And they went, hey, have a drink. Yeah. And then they'd make me, and then I'd go, thank you very much. And they go, have a drink. And I go, you'll have a drink. And it was like this. So, but um, yeah, God. But you could have used it as a chat at like, if you, you know, you could have gone, hi, it's me. You yes. know, you're even more gorgeous than a pot noodle. <laughs> and then- God, I want to get in a time machine, Rich, back to Cardiff. In 1998, or whatever it was. You might have had to go, it's, have you, you might have had to go, excuse me, have you seen the pot noodle adverts with the little, the little guy? That yeah. is actually me. And right. I just want to say, you're even more gorgeous than the pot noodle. Yes. I'd like to slurp you, you up with yeah. it, with a fork. 
Yeah. And then that would now come back to haunt me, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. this... <laughs> I, d- I was once in a nightclub with our mutual friend, Jez Simmons. Yes. Uh, around that time. More. And there was a man. And I got that, I got that, you know, that, you know, that weird time when you got recognized and it's not, you're not massively famous, but you're getting recognized a bit. And, and I got recognized more for that, but just because it was on the telly all the time. And some man kept looking across at me in a, in a nightclub. And I then eventually his mate came over to me and said, um, excuse me. And I went, and I was ready to go. Yeah. And he said, my mate says you're looking at him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, oh my god, I was actually subconsciously looking for somebody to record. <laughs> Tragic, um, you know. and then I had to. Explain, no, I didn't. Explain. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yes, I never oh, use well. my pot noodle fame to to seduce women or to. Well, you got free some free drinks out of it from, but not. Yeah. That was. Yeah. They were sort of forced on you the drinks. They were. Yeah. 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 They were. So, yeah. Yeah. So no, there will be no soon partner. Well, talking of Jez Simmons, let's talk about this oh. first of all, because mm. Jez, who I just know as your mate from the pub in Ballam, though is mm-hmm. a successful comedy writer, and writes for lots of uh, yeah, buzzcocks, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm. He, uh, you, and he are doing a podcast together, which is That's right. uh, excellent. So how Thank does you. this? It, it's called Brain Cigar. I do recommend mm. it if you haven't heard it yet. Are you only able to do that when you're in the same country or are you doing that when you're apart as well? Because it sounds no, like you're in the same country. Apart. I mean, the last, no, the, yeah. the, the, the se- we did a Christmas special, but then in the actual um, series, we, we recorded a load of stuff in London and then shamefully forgot to make, make the show. And then we kind of like <laughs> edited it and then did that remotely. But then it, we ended up having to record little bits and conversations and links that we hadn't got at the time. But then in my towel cupboard, I had to kind of sit in my towel cupboard with a, a blank. If you have to do that kind of stuff, where you have to put a, I had to put a quilt over my head. And, I've tried yeah. it, but to be honest, this, yes. that, the, the equipment we've got and the space I've got, it kind of works okay. So I did yeah. do a couple of reads for this podcast in that way mm. when I used, used to go in the <laughs> cupboard back there. But it seems to work fine with the setup I've got. Mm. So I, I haven't... Haven't got yeah. to the stage of putting a duvet over yeah, my head. A bit more really. advanced, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then we, no, we did a Christmas special back in, when I was back over in uh, November. We recorded yeah. a bunch of stuff there. And we went back into a studio and, uh, and um, yeah, which got, like, <laughs> I say great thing, but, I mean, like, with those, that the, the great liberating thing is it literally is something that it's just really odd and it's for anyone who thinks it's funny. That's what I love about podcasts that like, I mean, you've got a massive, you know, like massive successful podcast with a huge listenership. And so you have a duty of but care. I, you have a duty of care also, to listeners. I've also <laughs> yeah. got a couple of really, of even more mm. kind of difficult and obscure ones than, I mean, right. I think Brain Cigar is very mm. much, it's sort of like Thank a, you. it feels like a mixture of a Radio 4 and a Radio 1 Sketch yeah. show, but mm. allowed to be a bit ruder and you know a well, bit just more weird. When I say like knock about people can't yeah, it's weird. It's I weird. Mean, what I mean is, I'm hugely proud of it, but I also yeah. like the fact that because it's a podcast, without people of anyone above us going like, yeah, yeah, um, guys, that was a bit weird this week, and <laughs> we lost that's four why, people. That's, you know? that's why it's a, a successful thing. But also, it's one of those things you people might. But this is true of, and I've said this many times. It's true of nearly everything I like in comedy. 
the mm. first episode you listen to, you go, okay, I don't know what's going on. And you know, this <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. I mean, I know you, so that was less the case with this. So I did sort of know mm. what's going on. But you listen to two or three, and then you're really in the world, yeah. and then you've really, you've really got it. And it's, you know, mm. it's sort of that slightly surreal thing. My favorite, I'll give you. I haven't listened to all of them yet. Mm. Uh, I very much liked. Uh, you're trying to get Bono to babysit for you oh, yeah. when your regular babysitter has fallen through. <laughs> and my favourite bit, and it's Julia Davis, which I didn't realise. Is it Julia Davis doing all the female parts in it? Is that, is that uh, what Mostly, yeah, 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 actually, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. She might not have done this one then, but the the, uh, f- the review of the funeral. Oh, uh, yeah, that was Wales. her, yeah. Yeah, yes. oh, that was, uh, so uh, that one really just floored <laughs> me. That was, that was when, and it's, the nice thing is you sort of walk, I mean, I suppose this is again true of all podcasts and mm. hopefully true of my podcasts as well, but you're doing something like walking the dog or <laughs> going on a run or something. And then mm. you just get to something that kind of sort of slightly cripples you. You couldn't, you're unable to move because you're laughing, laughing too much. But that was, those, nice. are the, those, were two, those were two of the bits that, uh, but it's very, it's, it's, well, so your relationship with Jez goes back like third, before even the, did you know before you, you met him on a, a uh, improv yeah, course, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, an improv class. I mean, my God, like he's he's got an incredible, almost dysfunctionally good memory where he's like traumatized. You know, those people who remember everything and they're <laughs> yeah. tortured. And so he remembers specific days. He can remember things like you say, what was number three in the charts in you know uh, 1994, whatever. He'll know that, but. He also remembers, so I think it's about 91, 92, whatever like that, we met in an improv class. But yeah, ever since, we've been in an unashamedly indulgent friendship where we just, like that thing where you just think <laughs> you've met two pubs, it's two blokes like us down a pub, you'd find us, and you probably have in the first one. It's quite, quite annoying because it's just this very, very weird world we inhabit where we just find, I don't know, the thing is, and with Jess, it's also like he makes me laugh so much. But also his reactions, you know, his face, like his reactions, if I say something really unfunny or stupid, he's kind of like bordering on fury and upset at like what I've just said or what, you know, he once um, upset a comedian when we were, I was performing at the Ball and Banana the bed, at the Bedford. And, yeah. um, and he had this kind of look on his face and we were in the front, he was in the front row. Oh my God, I'm trying to remember who it was. But anyway, the comedian had to stop his act, <laughs> like cheering act and say, excuse me, mate. Was He felt like he was being heckled by Jez's confused face. I don't think he's confused sometimes. He just wasn't, he was confused. <laughs> you must have that as a stand-up where, like, you're not, the person's not heckling you, but you're really upset by the look on somebody's face. Does that happen definitely. To you? Yeah, yeah, because you're, <laughs> like, as a comedian, you all, and I think less so, you know, I don't do so many like gigs where the audience don't know who I am now, but I do occasionally still. Yeah. Um, you know, like, cause I'm doing my own gigs rather than everyone knows who yeah. I am. I don't do that. I don't do those gigs where I, it's not my audience so much, but uh, yeah, but definitely you would always, when yeah. I was back doing stand up, especially in the early two thousands, mm. you would just always see the one person who wasn't enjoying, it. you know, you would yeah. focus on that person and they would be looking and especially they're looking miserable or exactly mm-hmm. they're looking confused or upset. <laughs> or just yes. pissed. and there's every chance they're just pissed off because they've had an argument with their partner or because yeah, you know, you yeah 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 you know if you you're in that position it must have been to, you know and they're not massively enjoying the mm. act and you learn to leave it there was a point where i didn't like again when i came back in 2004 there was but there was one where I, I, a woman was really enjoying it and then i think i started talking with some i started doing some jokes about babies and this woman suddenly mm. wasn't laughing anymore Right. And that was very noticeable. Well, but she then was I offended. Asked, 
No, I think something bad had happened to him. Oh, I, we didn't get to the bottom, you know. So, but then I couldn't leave it. And, you know, I think I was trying to, I was sort of trying to get to the bottom of it. And I was trying to go, well, you know, you can't laugh so much at everything else. And then it's not, you know, it's just a stupid thing to do. I'm getting in bottom of this baby thing. But tell me, <laughs> what's going on in your, what has gone on in your life? <laughs> you, it's like you're oh. so sort of self-obsessed in that moment that you're not even thinking mm. that you know i don't think i thought through thought it through to yes. what it obviously was something horrible but i don't know if it definitely was but she she didn't want to talk about it but surprise but then it, you know it spiraled out as a result so i do lots of things there where i try and you know do the thing you shouldn't do and try to pick out pick out people like that but it's mm. not it, but i think again as the as i've got older and especially once i've had kids the idea of trying to even bore, you know, I used to do stuff where I tried to bore the audience, mm-hmm. and I kind of feel like, you know, I don't feel like if it's your one night out that this month, yeah, uh, yeah you yeah. know, and it's no, did, there's sure. just some, we're, we're there's aware of mortality now. <laughs> there's just like, something trying to irritate you. I won't watch a film when movies are so bad is good. I think life's too short now. <laughs> I yeah. watch, I read loads of reviews. I don't want to waste precious two hours. But Jez is the last person now that I just, I have to sometimes stop myself texting him when it's like eight o'clock here, so it's four in the morning, with some terrible, some terrible shitty pun, just because I can imagine, I make myself, I laugh imagining him at four in the morning. I don't, like, look at it, and look at his phone and just going like, what? You know, so on our podcast, like, we did a thing at the Christmas special, which was a, <clears throat> it was like a long story I told him about, um, about how and it was made completely made up because our basic thing for brain cigar is like to try and tell stories that like try really hard to make them seem like they're true but they're not and then yeah. but so we did a thing about bowie dinners in one of the episodes where like david bowie had brought out a range of frozen meals in the 90s you know during a fallow period in his career he just signed himself up to these like finders type lean cuisine meals but with the with and um but to try and do it really, really naturalistically. And so our version of that in the Christmas special was like a, was where I told a story of a, a, a man who'd lived two doors away from my gran when I was a kid who was never around. And you just assumed he died in the war because his wife was quite old. And then we found out that he was actually a department store Santa. But that weirdly, the, the, the local department store, Howells, which was really fancy, and I had a real obsession with quality, once he'd become a department store centre, they'd made him leave his family and his daughter and go and live in like a little bedsit in Cardiff. But on the inside was decked out like Santa's cottage <laughs> and live with an orphaned child dressed as an elf. But he had to live there with the windows blacked out permanently and was never allowed to leave. And he went, he ended it, the, the, the child elves went insane and they were brought out every... Christmas for three weeks to to be in the grotto at Howell's <laughs> department store. But they had to live in their own filth, like with a bucket behind the grotto. And they were not allowed any, and they were, and then the, the mother of this, his daughter, the mother used to bring the daughter <laughs> to see, the only chance he, she would ever have to see him was to bring her to see him in the department store. And then, but he, she was not allowed to speak to him because like that would ruin the magic for the other children. But anyway, we did this thing, and it was like an hour long, and Jess said, that was just not funny. That was really just sad. <laughs> that was really, uh, I want to cry. And I thought, it's, it's in. <laughs> <laughs> and so we pretty much kept it. So, like, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so you know, like, it's yeah. well, it's interesting yeah. because you know, it is Jez and you probably wouldn't get a radio show or a TV. I mean, you might no. now if you if you went. I want to do. A, <laughs> I want to do a radio four show. They'd probably go. Oh, yeah, we'll mm. give you one. So you might get a sketch show, but you would you wouldn't be you wouldn't have the carte blanche to do anything you wanted. And it, and and also, you're both mm. really great, and it's it's sort of interesting that Thank you. you know. But you know that's it because because I mean jazz isn't really seen as a performer as all at all I would mm. have thought and you know you've done lots of performing but become more of a writer no and he's really so funny he's, in but it's, it. yeah, yeah. It's, you know he is it's yeah. great it's, it's, it's really good so well, I, I highly you. recommend thank it you. I, very good well and you know you can do are you going to carry on doing more because it's sort of a yeah you did sort of six or so and then yeah we're going to do more it's a labour of love I mean yeah. partly it's also because I write animated movies and animated movies are like the mathematical opposite where you write a joke and you really laugh at it. And then five years later, you're trying to explain to somebody why it's funny, and you can't remember. Like it's the it's like the most and counterintuitive opposite of immediacy. And so yeah. it's lovely to do something where you just decide and you make it funny. Yeah. So yeah, we're well, going to do yeah, more. That's, yeah, that's what I like about that's what I've always liked about podcasts is just that the, the a that you can just have an idea and do it in yeah. the second. Really, you can do it live, or you yeah. can you know you can, you can have a day, an idea that day and have it up by the evening time. It's yeah. just when, when you've gone through that whole commissioning process on the radio or TV and know how long it takes yeah. to suddenly be able to just get stuff done. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, well, we'll talk about the film in a minute. I just wanted to yeah. say um, that and I know you know I uh, had, I had cancer last year, um, Peter. I just wanted to ask yeah. you if you would – were you delighted when you heard I had cancer? I was so, so pleased. I was like <laughs> – yeah. I was quietly – I wasn't delighted. I was quietly yeah. pleased. But, um, no, I'm sorry yeah. you had cancer. <laughs> no, sorry, it's gone. It's gone away now. And as I understand it, that's it, that you'll be fine. Once you've, once it's, once you've had it, it's gone. That's it. I, 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 you're immortal, is my understanding. Mm. So uh, it should be fine. Well, um, you know, congratulations yeah. on your continuing. Thank you. Being I don't alive. want to. I yes. don't want to disappoint. You know, it makes you really think about life and what's important, and mm. then, and for a bit, and then you just go back to being the same and wasting all your time again. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Once they tell you yeah. you're all right, you go, oh, well, I won't yeah. bother dieting so much anymore than if I'm all have right. Seen the, um, the, have you seen the ecstasy of Wilco Johnson? No, you did mention this to me yes. when, when uh, but yeah. I haven't, yeah, I was just it's reading. It's amazing reading a bit. for that, for yeah. that, 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 that front of just like him finding out. Well, actually, I don't want to spoil it, but like he, yeah, he goes, he gets very, very excited that he's got, <laughs> that he's got a seemingly terminal disease. But when you see yeah. it, it's beautiful. Beautiful. I will. I definitely will. I definitely will because I'm just. I'm writing. I'm writing my own book about the situation. I was doing quite well today for for a while, so I've got. I'm supposed to finish by the end of the month, Pete, but I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, uh, Let's talk about the film that you. Well, your latest uh, uh, animation because you've done uh, ones before, but uh, Ron's gone wrong. Uh, It's about uh, robots malfunctioning. Now, Mm -hmm. I just want to say I think you've gone steered it wrong. I was very okay. disappointed that, that nobody in this film attempted to have sex with any of the robots at all. I right. mean, they're not that a they weren't that sexy the robots, right. but okay. b nobody. But b I thought, oh, Ron's gone wrong. It's a robot that's gone wrong. Right, there's going to be some probably get bummed. Someone's going to bum the the Ron or something. When you say like I, you, I went in the wrong direction, it feels like I went in the wrong direction for you specifically. <laughs> yeah. You can't write a film you about the robots. <laughs> you are the first person who's, who's who's given you know. Is it that just I, I'm going to have to give it three stars out of five because I whilst I enjoyed the set pieces and the robot <laughs> comedy, I think it failed on a robot sex level. I just don't think it's realistic that no, in the whole of that film, nobody would try and have sex with one of the robots. But, but again, they are an egg-shaped robot with. I don't think there's any kind of access area. There's like the, this, there's a charging port somewhere, but I don't think that would be, you know. Well, um, you know, that's you designed the robots. You could have put a yes, vagina well, in there. You could have put yeah. an anus and a vagina in them. I, I didn't. I had no part in their design. But I mean, <laughs> okay, they're very smooth. I mean, you. I don't know. Like you, yeah. But again, yeah. this assumes that robots are primarily, or you just what well, you feeling that they that you you feel that robots are largely there for as like well, sex, sex that, dolls. Not just that, but that would definitely <laughs> part of it. And like, also they're all teenagers <laughs> as well. They're absolutely absolutely they'd be trying to trying to fuck them. So I don't know why you didn't put yeah. that in the film. Okay, all so right then. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's all I'm, I'm going to sure. say. All right, I'm fairly confident on. I do think I know why we didn't put them in the film. <laughs> it's that it would be insane, <laughs> and, it's, and if it had occurred, the, the conversation with Disney would have been the notes back from Disney <laughs> saying we're, we're very happy with the film. However, the scene, the scene in the midpoint where you know Barney, you know, who can't get a girlfriend, decides <laughs> to develop a sexual relationship with Ron. So we feel that we can we. Uh, <laughs> It just could turn a bit. It could be quite dark. You could have just a dark bit in the middle. Just a, yeah. just a bit of light, light and shade. That's all I'm yeah. saying to you. It's, it's very funny, very charming. Okay. It's a lovely yeah. story about friendship and you know how we can get mm. lost in our devices and how maybe yes. I guess but you wanted him to get a little more, you wanted him <laughs> to be more lost in his device. <laughs> but apart from that, that's. Uh, do you think okay. it would be? Do you think it's cheating? To, I've asked you about Frankenstein before, mm-hmm. but I've never asked. Do you think it's is it cheating in your relationship if you would have sex with a robot? Pete? If you're, you're ma- happily married now, but if you if you <coughs> had sex with a or your wife had sex with a robot, would you feel that was being unfaithful, or do you think that's? Do you think I th- that's I think that would be fine. Yeah, and that in no way is implying that I have had sex with a robot. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Sure. Right. I mean, you had to, when you were researching the film, you surely had to look into every aspect of what robots can do. Just yeah, so I you tried were, to convince yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tried to convince Disney that as research in the film, I have to fly to Japan for three months to one of those factories that make those, you know, those companies that make those <laughs> incredibly realistic, yeah. but still terrifying <laughs> women, humanoid kind of things. Yes. But they said no. Um, no, okay. okay. Um, no, oh, look, it's it, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe uh, thinking about it, you made the right choice, but you know, I think, <laughs> that, I, that, again, I'm that implies it was a choice though. that there was a cho- that I that we sat there and we said, and we said no, and then we took the <laughs> robot robot sex scene card down from the wall and sadly put it in the bin because yeah, <laughs> we didn't yeah I mean alright well thank you that you feel we made the right choice Good. Well, no, I'm not, you know it's, it's, I'm a viewer I've, I've never written a film yeah. and uh, you know mm. but I'm, I've watched a lot of films so I feel I mm. am an expert on it okay then. and uh, oh are you connecting it to the movie what's the um, oh, what's it called the um, one with Oscar Isaac with the dancing, when they they dance with the, they, there's a sexy dance he does with a robot. That one. Uh, I'm not. The, yeah, I'm not. I just am obsessed with. It's just a running okay, joke. Robots. Okay. Robot. okay. <laughs> um, so I just did that for the. It's it's really you got an amazing cast, and is that? Thank you. Um, well, did that? Is that something that because it's a Brit, it's a British made film, right? Mm. This is a British film. Yeah. Me and Sarah Smith, who used to mm. produce uh, Line on Imrods in Explicable World and the Harpoon mm. and the Oliver. Radio shows in the 1990s. She set up mm-hmm. a company with other people, and you and her wrote this film. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so it's a British film, but mm-hmm. you've got quite a lot of you've got quite a lot of a, a mixture of American and British stars in it, or mainly yeah, American, yeah. really, isn't? It? Yeah, it was. But, uh, it was like, yeah, I think it was like co-financed, and it was like made. There was distributed by Disney, but yeah, but it had like Olivia Coleman and uh, Rob Delaney and lots of brilliant people in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Zach Yeah, when you're writing, are you are you are you at the point where you think I I'm expecting to get those people to be in it, or is it still no. a nice surprise no. when they say yes? No, you. I mean, say, but if, if you, I mean, still, I don't know why. I haven't, I haven't developed any confidence. I wish I could, but that, um, <laughs> but that, uh, uh, and then I wouldn't have to use my pop noodle catchphrase. <laughs> but. Um, uh, no, you see, whenever like this, before you cast anyone, if you say, right, like if somebody says, well, what about Zach Galifianakis for the robot part? Like you, I always feel like really embarrassed and like <laughs> what planet am I on that you would think that though one of those people would be in your movie? You know, it just always yeah. feels like embarrassing, like somebody's filming this secretly and then they're going to just, that the whole movie has been, the commissioning of the movie has been a <laughs> cruel prank. You know, maybe it's maybe it was. You know, <laughs> could be. It's, they've taken yeah. it a long way mm. to do that. No, it's really exciting. Uh, like when William, oh, Olivia Coleman agreed. Like what? It's amazing. You know, yeah, yeah. she's yeah. so busy as well. I suppose it's mm. as an actor. I guess it, uh, animation is sort of a slightly easier job. I mm. guess it's in, in time wise, at least. So it's easier to fit yeah. it in. But yeah. it's how long? Yeah. How long? How many days does Olivia Coleman work on the film that you've worked five years? Oh on? my god, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Olivia Coleman, if you're listening, I worked a lot more hours than you. 
She just waltzes in, does yes. your funny jokes. Waltzes Would it be out. counterproductive to me to attack her publicly on your podcast for not doing, not doing as much work as I did? She and yet, could have done some of the drawings. She could have yes. drawn a robot, couldn't yeah. she? Said, she could have had the decency like. to come to a couple of sessions. But no, um, I don't know. Not, not. I mean, they'd probably do maximum, probably about a few weeks. I mean, but they're yeah. really, you know, they're really brilliant. It's very nice, you know. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And um cool. our first session with Zach Galifianakis, he um it was on Zoom because it was in the middle of the pandemic and he um he had to fly somewhere and he had terrible food poisoning. Right. And it was the first time I'd ever heard you know in, met or spoke to him and we were like on one Zoom and he was on another Zoom somewhere and he was quite grumpy and even though he had terrible food poisoning I remember thinking he's quite grumpy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never meet your heroes. And then the next session, he was really nice. And I thought, oh, God, I, was, I felt bad. You know, no, well, that's, what really this, nice. that's how it goes. When there's, you see those things on uh, Twitter every now and again when someone will go, you know, who was, name the people who were nice and nasty when you met them in real life, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there'll be lists of people. And I've yeah. seen myself, one of them came up when I was both mentioned as being someone who was really oh nice God. in real life and somebody who was terrible in real life. But I was searching my own name, so I couldn't really say anything about it. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> But like one one of them said, I used to work in Selfridges and somewhere in Notting Hill and Richard Herring came in and was, but he wouldn't. And I was so, because I said, I'd never behave badly in Selfridges. I was just really trying yes. to think. <laughs> I was really tempted to. To, mm. you know, A, you could just be in a bad mood, but, you know, like you're in yeah. a shop and you might be ill and you might just be mm. in a bad mood. Or it might just be that you went, hey, and I just went, mm. uh, or didn't hear or something. <laughs> uh, but mm. I just was, re- I was so tempted to tweet him and say, what did I, <laughs> yeah, I don't mm. like, I don't mind, I don't mind you don't like me, but what did, mm. what did I do that was wrong? <laughs> but like, if you just like, if you're talking about seeing something one, you know, the one moment you meet someone in your life, you mm. don't know what's going on in their life or they might not be ready to talk to you. So like to make that snap judgment about whether someone's a good or a bad person. I had a confusing thing a couple of years ago when, when I was back living in Britain doing the, the, the movie and, uh, and I was with my daughter, Neris, who was, gosh, she's probably like five and we were just about to get on the tube train. And I don't, when I come back to Britain, I hardly ever get recognised now. It's like, it's hardcore, you know, apart from, yeah. it's a long way from my, my pot noodle glory, Rich, <laughs> when it was oh, no. two times a day at, some, <laughs> at times, you know. <laughs> but now, if I'm in UK, on an average, I might get once every six months when I was back there. I remember getting on a tube station, a tube train <clears throat> with my five-year-old, and I was about to get on, and this man ran up, and I was on the train, and this man ran up, so the, and he was on the platform, and he said, "Like, are you Peter Bailey?" Like, and Neris now tells this story <laughs> all the time. But like, he ran up and he said, "I'm a giant fan. Can I get your autograph?" And I was so like in the moment of like, "Wow! Oh God! I got recognised!" I was quite pleased just because it, it's so rare that I got a little bit distracted. And I, I now think I could easily have got off the train, and my I, my, I have nightmares of thinking, "What if I got off the train to sign his thing, and the doors had shut, and I'd oh, never God. seen my five year old daughter again?" <laughs> Because she wouldn't have... I, really, I nearly cry sometimes. I think, fine. You know, do you ever do that? Like, this is a random thing of, like, you know, think about if you accidentally left your child, your tiny child on a train, and then I then go straight to how would they feel, and then I, I start <laughs> actually crying then, you know. And well, I think, I think a lot about moments where I've nearly done something that would have been life-changing for them right. and haven't done it, and then I think about... There was a when my son was very little, 
we had like a harness and I didn't yes. use it that often. And the, that <laughs> thing, so he was sitting in front of, you know, he was sitting in front of me on my chest. Yes. And, uh, and just one time we were getting in the, you know, just loading up the car. Yes. And I was just, you know, I just wasn't thinking he was there. And I was sh- shutting the boots. Oh my god! And usually, yes. I would, and usually, and it's, it's a hatch. You know, it's like a people carrier, so it's like the big <gasps> flat down boot. Yeah, and and I and, and I luckily I brought it down, and I realised, and oh. I think it, it, I stopped it before it got anywhere near him. But but yes. I, equally in that moment, I could have just gone and like oh, be- beheaded him. And I often think about the, what, oh. would have, what would my life, what would your life be if you just, you know you make a just a really stupid tired. What is the name of the our old mad thoughts? You remember the mad yeah, thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like there's a, there's a special there's a special subset of mad thoughts <laughs> devoted to your own children and what if I yeah. did this and that? But but there's something mm. in your in your brain where you're just thinking, God, you know. But the, the I think the ones where you've come close to doing something accidentally that would have absolutely mm. completely changed your life and uh, you know and killed your child. Well, yeah, uh, is uh, you know, is uh, it, uh, sounds like an episode hor- of Brains. <laughs> what a horrible thing to think we'll talk about. Mm. But um, mm. uh, you at the same time as doing um, Ron's Gone Wrong, which again highly recommend. It's on Disney. If you have got the Disney Channel, you watch the Disney Channel. It's also in the cinemas at the moment, isn't it? in the UK at least. I don't know if it is worldwide. Um, mm. If it's still in the cinema in America, but uh, very, it's very, very, it's very good. And you don't Thank have you. to be a child. You don't have to be a child. Um, it annoys me to say it's very good. And also, you again, <laughs> nominate, at the same time as writing that, you were writing for it. You got another Oscar nomination for your work with uh, Borat. But uh, I, I heard you on another podcast talking about Borat's subsequent movie film, and the man called it Borat's sub- subsequent. He kept Did on he? calling it, but he, well, he kept on calling it. He's just the word subsequent, not subsequent. in American. <laughs> He was really pronouncing subsequent in a real... I think it was oh subsequent or subsequent. I'm subsequent. glad I didn't notice that. I would have been really <laughs> distracted. Do people in America say sub- have the word subsequent? Yes. I did this, I just don't... God, I want to find that out. Is there, is there any way to research that? Go online and go... Because you... <laughs> go online and go, who was the man who <laughs> I said... I find sub- it for you. Yeah. Because you can basically <laughs> find out anything on the internet now, can't you? Yeah. Yeah, you can, but it's hard mm. to do that because that's a yeah. pronunciation thing. It's very specific. Um, yeah, uh, but you were doing that at the same time. Did you ever accidentally write a thing for Borat and put it in Ron's Gone Wrong? By yeah, mistake? I know. Well, the thing was, Rich, I was writing a movie. You know, I was writing one movie about a deeply offensive, anti-Semitic, you know, <laughs> sexually predatory <laughs> character. <laughs> And the other one, of course, was Ron's Gone Wrong. You see, you see how I upended your expectations. I did, you did upend my expectations. That is my favourite structure of joke, by the way. I mean, I I don't feel above that structure of joke at all. Do you, the old... I do. the other one, really... I like like to... You're a proper stand-up. You're a proper comedian, though, so you probably go... Well, I read read an old uh, column of yours today, which is a bit like this, about um, that you wrote in The Guardian in 1996. This is how deeply I research about yeah. the you start Monday joke, which oh, is yes. really good about it. You're <laughs> terrible. You can't <laughs> play music. Is that that trope yeah. in a sitcom, which is that you probably feel yes. worse about this in a sitcom, where, mm. and it, you you point this out that in, like, in t- in all those sort of Saved by the Bell shows, mm. five times, ten oh, yeah. times an episode, someone would go, there's no way I'm going to go <laughs> to, and, cut, and then it would cut to, and it right. would be there, and, and the audience would laugh. 
the same, and it was the same joke five times. But the you start Monday was was one you. Were it's very funny. My eight year old Neris the other day we were watching a movie, and she spotted it in a movie. We were watching some movie, and she said, <laughs> and she said, "Oh look, I just." And she loved she loved discovering. She said, "They do a thing where they say." There's no way I'm going to play that song in my underpants. Cut to, and then, but I thought, but I thought she discovered that that trope at the age of eight, and I discovered. It, I mean, when I wrote that Guardian article, I was in my thirties. She's way more advanced as a comedic mind than me. I did think that's my girl, and uh, you know, she's now she now loves. Her. She spotted one way ahead. We were watching Chan Ji, The Legend of the Ten Rings, the other day. Right. Which is quite fun. Have you seen that? It's quite fun. And uh, yeah. she spotted them doing that in that movie way before the rest of us. And I thought, yeah, you know, I was very proud. <laughs> yeah, she so spotted nice comedy structure. Mm. Yes. Um, anyway, but yeah. So anyway, yes. Yeah, um, so uh, it's it's sort of. I mean, that's the nature of writing an animated film. I guess that it's it's taking so long that mm, you you have doing to do other things, things at, the at the same time. Same time. We did have, which I have said. I'm sorry if I I've, I've said this on other things, but we had a really weird time when. We were filming. We were filming Borat, and I was away filming that on location or in a Airbnb hiding nearby, right. <laughs> not actually on set. But when he was filming a scene at a right wing rally where he got up on stage and sang an offensive song about the Wuhan flu, and I was in an Airbnb nearby, but we were doing a voice session uh, with Jack Dylan Grazer, who plays Barney, at the same time. And it was really weird. Like I had like my Zoom open and on I had two screens wow. open at the same time. And it was just nuts. I was like trying to like say, oh, yeah. And, you know, but I didn't ever go say, yes, I think he should be more anti-Semitic. <laughs> can you make, can, can Jack be more anti-Semitic in his portrayal of Barney, please? And then <laughs> Borat, Borat, can you be more lovable? <laughs> So yeah. I was interested in that. So as the as the writer of that, because mm. it's obviously it's so uh, so much of it is spontaneous and dependent on mm. what's happening with the other people, what's yeah. going on in the situation. But I was one. I was wondering if you would whether you just wrote a load of possibles or whether you were there at the time. So you are you're sort of there watching it, and are you able to talk to him? And well, we're normally there. We're, we're there a lot of the time, but we just couldn't be there because it was the middle of course. It was at the height of COVID. So yeah. we were like, oh, it was like, God, what was like, yeah, it was, it was really in the, the thick of it. So he does do like, in a situation like that, he'll, he'll, do, he'll do the scene and then he'll go into a huddle and then he'll get a contact with us and say, have you got any more? Have you got any other thoughts? And should I do that again? And the usual answer is no, get the <laughs> fuck out of there. Like, you know, because he just really like, he's, it's nuts. Like, but, um, but then we do like because there's a full script for the movie. There's a full like yeah. final draft screenplay, um, and then I mean we developed this on the first one where you just like you develop it because like, even though it's like there is spontaneity there, you prepare a whole lot of like yeah. say this, say this, say this, say this. But then you say there's the jokes that you say, but there's also the trigger lines. You try and develop lines to get them to respond in a certain way so that he can come back with something else. And sometimes it's not just about the comedy. You're also trying to get a, that annoying part of movie, movie, which is about the story. Like every scene needs to have something that propels the story forward. And so yeah. we've had scenes in both movies where they're really funny, but they don't do anything for the story. 
And weirdly, however hilarious they seem in the moment, when you put them in the middle of a movie and then you show it to an audience and nobody laughs at the scene because it's not got any story used to it. So you try and write scenes that will somehow, you know. I mean, the exact, like in the first movie, we had a a scene where he meets a bunch of frat boys and we, you know, and they they turn out to be, and, and they were horrible and they were racists and we got comedy out of that. But also... We had to we had to have Borat learn that Pamela Anderson was not a virgin from that scene, <laughs> yeah. and so we had we had to engineer a thing where he shows them a, the DVD case and says, "I'm going to marry this woman. She's a virgin," and they go, "Oh, dude, she's not a virgin." And then he had to learn from that scene. So yeah, you yeah, it's it's a lot. Yeah, it's loads of writing because you're writing you're writing not just the lines, but you're writing lots of different contingencies. And well, if this happens, then we'll do this. If this happens, and and we've reshot loads of scenes as well because they didn't they didn't work, you know. Yeah. So um, where were you when uh, Ru- Rudy Giuliani was attempting to masturbate in the hotel room? <laughs> or so, also it appeared. Were you sort of somewhere in that hotel watching? No, it going, I wasn't like, because again, it was like because it was a COVID time. But also, yeah. I but I was actually in Northern California with my fa- <laughs> with my family <laughs> in a ho- in a tiny hotel room. And we were back there recently, and I was watching it at one end of the room on a on a live YouTube feed, where like you could you could create it's, it's very low tech. You basically create like a live YouTube link, and nobody yeah. has the code for it. So so I was thinking somebody could potentially accidentally stumble on the like, what the hell is this going? <laughs> but I was with this room. I was in the room with with my wife and my two girls, and then I was watching it live. And then it's all going down. And then he starts to lie back on the bed and take down his, you know, undo his belt. And I called Sarah and said, quick, come in quick. <laughs> <laughs> and, my, and Ruby's going, what is it? Nothing, nothing. And then we told them to go on their iPads. And then we just went, and I said, oh, my God. And then we were back there during Thanksgiving at the same hotel. And I, I was saying to Sarah that there would be, there should be some really obscure a memorial blue plaque on that. Because we walked past the room where we were staying. Yeah. And I said, it was like a motel ground floor room. And I said, there should be a plaque saying Peter Bainham's <laughs> co-writer, like at the thing, watched the, <laughs> like it's the most meaningless blue plaque ever. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah. was that, if he'd got, if he'd, if he'd, if he'd started masturbating, basically Sasha kind of came in fairly quickly yeah, to rescue because we couldn't, him. Yeah, because well, I was, we were worried about, you know, just worried about so many scenes in those movies all the time. Yeah. Like, A, about what could go wrong, but also could this be gross and horrible and disgusting or whatever. And, yeah. you know, Maria, who played his daughter, Tuta, was amazing and ballsy and so, like, just, just was there and, just brilliant, and but she was super brave. But we also had to go because they were they had to be on their own, you know. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah. thought if it goes weird, it's just it's it crosses over into exploitation and something yeah. just you don't want to actually be involved in actual human trafficking. <laughs> that would be, and we don't want to be the Jeffrey Epstein of. <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know, you know, but it's it's treading a line both in taste, which obviously like. For everyone saying you can't do anything <coughs> anymore, I mean that film really pushes boundaries mm. and mm. Uh, and I know and it's ballsy. It's dangerous for the performers, mm. you know, to an extent. Yeah. Certainly when he's he's putting himself in amongst you know the kind of people who 
yeah. you know, from, from the news we've seen can just start shooting people they don't like or, you know, yeah. or certainly fighting people they don't like. Mm. So there's a sort of, there's a real element of danger there. Um, mm. And and it's, and it's it is pushing boundaries of taste uh, in an artistic way. But have you, mm. have you had any, have you, have you had much push but given that everything's cancelled now and you can't say anything anymore due to political correctness <laughs> gone mad it seems you've been nominated it seems you've been nominated well, for an oscar for for oscars and uh and, and mm. the film's done pretty well despite all of this but uh, did you did, did does it feel is there anything you know is there is there any is there any feeling that because he's anti-semitic and obviously that's the joke that he's an awful anti-semite yeah. have you had have you had much uh blowback from being Accused of being anti-Semitic yourself, in order. I, I don't think it ever really. I don't think it ever really. What's the word? Rationally, can be accused of being anti-Semitic, given that Sasha's Jewish and has been on the record as, <laughs> you know, as wanting to expose anti-Semitism. Yeah, yeah. Um, but on the other hand, like, um, I don't think that those problems have gone away. And actually, there was weirdly that we we didn't do much anti-Semitism in the second one. <laughs> or much I don't think we did like, there was a few things in there but because the thing was that in the end is that we'd done one of the my one of my biggest worries wasn't so much that it would cause offense because I think it was I don't know unless people are being wantonly missing the point I think it was generally pretty clear what the satirical targets were in, in yeah. the whole thing but on the other hand, um, I think I was more worried about, you know, as a comedian, you're always worried about going back to that well twice and just being repetitive. And, you know, it's a, just, there's, a, there's, a, there's a graveyard of sequels movies <laughs> that have, like, <laughs> gone back and just been rubbish. You know, you're just scared of like, it being rubbish. Or, yeah, things... T- and also, I think it was like there was a worry that would tread... Like, obviously, in, in that movie, one of the scariest things was what would people make of the the scene where they do the dance, you know, when she does the whole period dance, you know? Right, yeah. And I remember, yeah. like, before we before we rehearsed that, I was worried, because I was in the room. I'm the really, like, canary in the common. I'm the real chicken little, quite often going, <laughs> I don't think we can do this. It's like, it's just it's 2000, you know, it's 2020 now, and we can't do this thing. <laughs> but what changed my mind on that one was that we we uh, went to it, we, we had a rehearsal, and we were there with Maria, and she was so fucking funny and did it so... And we realised that the thing, the key to that was... because the, the danger is you've got a bunch of male writers. I mean, we had female writers on this as well. That was really yeah. important. We can't do a movie about a man, you know, ha- and his daughter and how his daughter be- you know, discovers feminism and even Borat becomes... I, it's a terrible word, woke, but becomes a bit more woke. But you yeah. can't have a bunch of just men writing that. That would be no. crap. And um, and so there were female writers, and it was a it was a female writer's idea to do that whole scene in the first place. But I was still worried about it. But then what we realised was that she just owned the scene so much, and the way she danced was so like proud and just like oh, it's their culture. So the joke ends up being on the people who were offended. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so you're always worried about like with that movie. Like, can you do this stuff now? You know, I was also you know understandably I was also worried that like isn't it time that be- and there was. There was a little cancel Borat campaign at the time from people right. in Kazakhstan. Yes, um, yes, yeah. But weirdly, the government of Kazakhstan, who are now literally right now being, you know, you know, this horrific happen things happening yeah. in Kazakhstan right now. But um, when the second movie came around, in the interim, they they had a whole um, what's it word 
uh, advertising campaigns saying come to Kazakhstan, do business right. in Kazakhstan or come here for your holidays. And I think they even used Borat. They in the interim, they you know they because yeah. the first movie they were outraged by it to a, to a, to an extent that helped publicize our movie. But yeah. you know, you've got to be aware of that that it is also like it's a, it's another culture and like we're in a time now where you know understand you've got to be careful about any cultures you know yeah you know like if it, if, I, mean, no, I think it, I think it does you know it, it but it's challenging I think it's not it's great because it's challenging and it's you. you know it, and and that's interesting um mm. I, 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 I sort of but it's interesting you know it's it's good that it's nominated for Oscars I'm not saying mm. it shouldn't be nominated for Oscars I saw the film Bad Trip have you seen Bad Trip which is I haven't a, seen which it is, is that the uh, Eric Andre no yeah I yeah. really love it I really right. really love it. Because mm. it's the He's same, so it's the same sort of idea. But he basically goes out and shows how nice people are by right. by doing stupid yeah. things, and then people help him. Mm. And you kind of think, you know, they're they're two very different films, and they're two very yes. different approaches to it. But you know that that a sort of joyously life affirming, funny film mm-hmm. without any political intent right. would never get nominated for an Oscar, even right. though it's as even though I'd say it's as it's as far. I'm not saying it's better than Borat, but I'm just saying it's different than Borat. Right. It's sort of, you know, it's kind of hard, I don't think, to do as a comedy writer to do gloriously, absolutely just laugh out loud, funny stuff that mm. doesn't necessarily mean anything. But that, but yeah. that stuff never gets that stuff never gets nominated for like the big Oscar awards, does it? Comedies, it's almost seen as. Like this inferior thing, and you know, yeah, like it beca- and it becomes high. And if it gets close, if it gets close to being serious, then oh, we maybe yes. it can get some awards. Yeah, yeah but, I know but what you mean. Just you know, Spinal Tap is, yes. is one of the greatest films ever made. I, I don't think it, you know, it maybe right. won some awards, but I doubt it did because it mm. wasn't really successful for a few years later. But you know, like yeah. it's sort of weird to. It's weird I know that what you I mean. think. But as a comedian and as a comedy writer, being funny is the hard. Being serious is yeah. kind of easy, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, and the funny writing thing a is film that, yeah. about Nazis is easier than writing a film about a robot that you don't even have sex with. No, I get, I get, that, that I get annoyed every, thing. I get annoyed every year. But like, did you see the movie? Did you see the Adam Sandler movie called Uncut Diamonds, Uncut Gems? No, I haven't. Which, that's one of the rare ones I haven't seen. It was I just started. Brilliant! It was really yeah. brilliant, and I think he should have won the Oscar for best. It was like, but I do think there was some subconscious. There was something going on that like. um I don't know. Some people just probably thought, "Well, he's Adam Sandler. He does all those, yeah. all those Adam Sandler movies." Yeah. And I think there was something that he just he just didn't get there for that. I saw a movie last night with my family called Coda. Um, have you heard of this movie? It's just it's about no. it's really beautiful little movie about um, it's British actress actually, but it's about she's it's, Coda stands for Children of Deaf Adults, and she's uh, she's just a, a a girl who's got like her her parents are deaf. But it seems like one of those movies that you would just see, like on you know, just a little movie about a sweet moment. She wants to sing, and like, and it feels. But it's so beautifully brilliant done, and I think it deserves an Oscar nomination. But I don't think it'll get nominated for anything because it's yeah. like, well, maybe you know, maybe I'll I'll champion it. But it's just really, really nicely made movie, you know. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's like sure. well, it has to have some other. It has to tick another box, doesn't it? So a, yeah. a pure comedy struggles. Yeah. You're right. You know, and you know, like, and there's there's a big scene in uh, in Bad Trip where he's being yeah. fucked by a monkey, like a man in a monkey gorilla costume in a cage, and that's the kind of thing that will never get nominated for an Oscar. But it's right. it's it's much funnier than it sounds. But also, it's the, it's so lovely because it's 
basically all these people are trying to help him and you know and a shot yeah. awful things happen to him and and mainly people just try and help him and it's kind of nice yeah. to see that's to see especially <laughs> right now it's sort of nice to see that side of, as if you know but your film potentially uh, you know, alter, possibly altered the presidential race, or at least maybe influenced the the presidential race. So, which bad, bad trip almost certainly didn't, unless people really <laughs> took against the being fucked, being raped by a monkey. By the way, I was like, I did a Guardian, <laughs> I did a Guardian article last year, publicising Brain Cigar, and I was asked, like, do you think it altered the race? And I said something like, we did our bit. Yeah, and I'm forgetting, and I just said we did our bit, but I didn't really think it did, you know. And then, <laughs> and I was really pleased with the article, except the headline in the Guardian was "We did our bit to change the race." It was like, <laughs> you know, but, but no, potentially. I mean, it was it was one of the things that you know, like because also that's mm. there, you know, it's there on film, and you can argue about what he was actually doing, and he can argue about what he's actually doing, but it's yeah. it's still so dodgy, isn't it? And, and he is yeah. so dodgy. I mean, yeah. they're all so dodgy, so it's like, it, you know, it's it was an incredible thing. Now, mm-hmm. I think we did talk, there's a few big turning points in your career. I don't want to take, keep you for too much longer, but I wanted mm-hmm. to talk about this because, and we talked about one of them last time, which yeah. was that Sasha rang you up and said, I'm, I'm mm. looking for someone to write on this film, and you said, oh, I've, I've got my I'm doing my own sitcom at the moment, so yes. I'm not interested. And mm. Jez, again, your friend Jez mm. was the guy who said, what the fuck? <laughs> so yeah. Do you ever think about how your life would have gone had you not <laughs> rung Sasha Baron going back? Because there's a film in that. There's a, it's it's mm. the new sliding door. <laughs> Peter Bain, Peter, because that, you know, I think you'd have gone mm. on and had a terrific career of some kind, but that mm. is such a pivotal moment, right, in your, in your, yeah, in your I life. Yeah, I only think about that every day, only every day. <laughs> Literally, uh, you'd made a decision, and yeah. it's only because you met up with someone and said, mm. what are you doing the next night that you went back on that decision? Yes, I, um, I had that, that bit in movies, that cheesy bit in movies when <laughs> the hero sits up in bed, so very suddenly, you know, goes out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> but there's um, a few of those where there's a few of those kind of things in your in your career as well because uh, you you the reason which I don't know I just saw this day and I don't think I've you've told me this before mm. but the reason you sort of got into the day to day partly mm. having again turned Armando having rung you up and asked you to come back and work on weekending uh-huh. and you go no I'm doing a sitcom and, yes. and not going back to work on mm-hmm. weekending um, mm. but you then missed out on maybe being part of on the hour and everything as a result because he sort of yeah. got us from from weekending and everything mm-hmm. um but then you came back in <laughs> on a sunday to the bbc like entertainment fund to steal some photocopy paper yes and yeah. that's when you that's when you met armando properly yeah. right or making up to, offensive um <laughs> lyrics to 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 singing frank sinatra songs frank Sin- yeah is it making up songs about necrophilia <laughs> <laughs> In a Frank Sinatra style, and in in the in the photocopy room of the Radio Light Entertainment Department, yeah. And then the funny thing was, he didn't ring me up for a very long time after that. And um, and weirdly, I mean, in between, I mean, that that did lead to that eventually. But in the interim, I had that weird thing where I don't know where basically I I, I had that encounter with him. And then after that, my Merchant Navy sitcom, which I got to say, Armando has said, gone on record to say, and I did, I made two separate pilots of it: The Men of the Charlie, my Merchant Navy sitcom starring Brian Blessed 
and oh. John. Have we talked about this before? And John Pertwee. I don't know. I sort of vaguely John, remember it from the title. John Pertwee is a about. mentally ill man who lived in the engine room. Right. Um, uh, and then John Pert, and then we did, we recorded it again. We talked to his spanners, and then and we just say, "Yes, that's my darling, my Dutchie, my love, your darling." And then we recorded the pilot again, and then John Pertwee wasn't available. I don't think he died, but he was like very, very old. <laughs> and then I think he was replaced with Chris Lynham, the comedian who used to put a, a banger up his ass. Do you remember he him? Just, just, yeah, he's just been a guest on. The, I've just been talking oh my God. to him. Uh, he's actually the the last week's episode, as we the one oh that's just gone out. That we, we did he talk about that? I'm, I'm he, did, he, he didn't mention that. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> mention that. Um, <laughs> but he, um, but he, he, and then I. I, yeah, very, very weird. And Anita Dobson playing Brian Blessed's wife in both in both failed pilots. But Armando right. has said, basically in his very Armando nice way, that it was one of the worst things he's ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, or he didn't say it was terrible. He just said, I didn't understand it. It was so, but not in a good way. You know, when yeah. somebody says it was really weird, but it's a good, it was really weird in a bad way. But anyway, so I, I, um, I went off to. That's why I said no to him to to, to come yeah, back to, to do, do weekending, and I went off and did this. And I, and then I um I remember one time being and after, it was after the second pilot. And do you remember all those strange old men who used to be the executives? Yes. Uh, or the you know those kind of all confused men who'd all go to the pub around the Yorkshire Grey. And this old posh man. Came up to me, not Jonathan James Moore, who I think God rest. I think he passed away, didn't he? But uh, um, he did. He passed away. Yeah. But 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 one of those other men, I can't remember his name, came yeah, up to me remember. after they'd had their meeting and listened to my my men of my Merchant Navy sitcom pilot, and said, "This this is a this is a cut too. This is a you start Monday." <laughs> because he literally came up to me in the car and said, "Just heard your pilot. Well, there's no way that's not getting a series." <laughs> And, it's, and Peter Bailey was like, the cut too was like, <laughs> it's not getting a series. Like, and, um, and he, you don't start Monday. <laughs> you don't start Monday. <laughs> you stop Monday. And then, and, but in the meantime, I'd run up um, a lot of debt and I'd done things like the harpoon with, with Sarah Smith and Julian Dutton. And I'd done this and I'd, I'd quit weekending and I had like about 5,000 pounds in debt which was a lot of money in those days yeah Rich, was. i'll have you know and still a lot of money still a lot of money and i and i was very poor and i and i had a job and i went to a, a and i was living in ealing and i went to a um uh a job agency and i was due to start in a course and now and they and then they said this was the you start monday they said i was due i'm not making this up i was due to start working at a call center on monday and then i got a call from um the producer of a show called friday night with wogan which was terry wogan's oh, yes. weekly non-live riposte to um i think to the jonathan rosses of the world and he he stopped doing his three times a week live show, and it was a recording. Okay. It was an edgier version of the of of the, you know, um, and uh, and then they, and then they rang up and said, "Do you want to come and write Terry Wogan's, uh, uh, you know, uh, little uh, Irish puns with three other writers?" Yeah. And I said, "Yes." I said, "I will start Monday." <laughs> and I remember ringing up the agency and then really being angry at me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
they said this is not good enough we can't okay fine I'll, you know. and then i did that for six months and then i got the call yeah to go and work on but the isn't it, but it's sort of interesting isn't it i mean it's it's how the life <laughs> is and i think when you, yeah. when you're looking back at life we've all got this stuff like this but they, mm. these moments that and yeah. chris morris Chris Morris sort of, when, when you were suggested as a writer for the day-to-day, Chris Morris was mm. sort of saying, I don't think we need any more writers, and ne- yeah. you know, nearly, and he, who you would then go and work on it with as well. You know, so if, yeah. if, if, he'd, yeah. if he'd had that, if he'd gone, yeah, we don't need this guy, then would you have worked Yeah, those things Chris? really upset me, because I, you find <laughs> with those things, like, it, um, yeah, there's been, there's been loads of others, like where I, I, I used to be crippled by that. Because I used to think, if I don't do this thing, because I look back and I go, so many things are like chance encounters. Yeah. Have you ever had that? And then if you think too much about it, then you're really frightened to walk out the door. <laughs> well, you sort of just realise that every, you know, you only have to change one thing. Yeah. You know, anyway, even, you know, that your children wouldn't, you know, you change one thing anywhere. Oh, God, yeah, that's really past. upsetting. Your children, yeah, yeah. you've got different children made with someone else. And, like, it's it's so stupid because you would love whatever those children were yeah. <laughs> just as much. But you're sort of thinking, yeah, but I wouldn't have these extra mm. special kids that I've got. It wouldn't be as special. Well, I'm so, so yeah, every, every little change, yeah. Well, I'm so rubbish. You know, I was so rubbish with relationships and the ch- as we talked about the chatting up of it all or the yeah. meeting people and I was so so terrible at it that I think that the one that involves me coming out you know to Sasha saying and me then going to Jez and in the pub <laughs> I think in the Bedford in Balham and saying to Jez uh, I've said no uh, and because uh, I'm going to do this thing and him saying are you crazy and then me going oh shit I am and then me ringing up and leaving a mail, or like speaking to Sasha the following day, that that lead, like you say, that leads to me coming here, and then that leads to me meeting Sarah, my my wife. And if I'd stayed, it's not just like I think I would have carried on working, yeah. you know, probably. But I wasn't in a, I had no work at the time, so maybe I wouldn't have. But yeah, and and I don't think I would have. I don't know. It's 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 fright. It's a really upsetting. Let's think about it. <laughs> but it's sort of it's so but also there's so much of you in like as in terms of unsung hero of comedy the last thirty years, so many things that people would recognise as almost mm. the main thing, you know, the main thing of uh Alan Partridge, the first thing people would say from the series uh, I'm Alan Partridge would be monkey tennis, mm. which is you, right? And yeah. uh the you know, there's so many things the 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 uh the the running of the Jews with in, mm. from Bora as you, you know, there's so many things that people would pick out and, and, and you, you know, you've worked with, and, and they all talk very lovingly of you correctly. Mm. Uh, you've worked with uh, Steve Coogan, you've worked with Chris Morris, you've worked with Sasha and you, mm. you know, your, your comedy and they and have improved all those, all those people uh, mm. and, and, you know, and had such an influence. I, I'm sure it, something would have happened unless you, you know, maybe you would just say, I've had enough. I, I, a give up. I mean, we've seen writers do that. We know writers who who might mm. have stuck it out, who didn't stick it out. So I suppose mm. it's possible. But but I can't really think of anyone who's had as much influence as you have Aww. throughout all comedy. What well, do you think? Because you're because you've been sort of at the centre of four or five like major <laughs> major <laughs> things. Um, Aww, so you know, it's nice. Thank you, uh, and and not, no, and at the centre of it because you've cre- you've created the thing that people um, 
you know, love about those characters as well. So it's not surprising. I think you would have somewhat, if, if you'd said no to Sasha, he might have come back to you another time. You know, he might have even been like, oh, this mm. guy said no to me. I've got to, I've mm. got to really up my game to get him to get him to come in next time. So something would have happened. I think certainly by that stage. But it's interesting. I don't know that, that but he does like, ask. You know, I now know that, like when I went in there, that he um, there was a bit. This is quite because there was a. There was a kind of a line of bodies out the door of other people. He tried, you know. So it wasn't like, and I, that's the thing as well. I also like, I'm also relieved. Do you find that I'm relieved with the things that have gone right and the right choices are made, but I'm also very glad on several occasions of my life to have not known the full truth of what was going on. (laughs) Yeah. Because that might have really frightened me. (laughs) (laughs) The weird thing is... when I got yeah, here, I, when, I said, when I got here for that particular thing, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to Hollywood. I'm going to L.A. and all this stuff. And I got here, and he'd broken his foot, and the director had quit. I wasn't told any of these things. The director was gone, and he was in some really shitty office uh, somewhere, and it, it was sharing it with some guy who let his dog run around shitting on the floor everywhere. And it didn't seem like any of it was going to last very long. <laughs> And it was like a real, in the short term, a real come down. And we spent two weeks. And he said, we, and they tried to basically go out with the, they basically tried to go around, the, the original iteration of Borat, the first Borat movie was, the director um, uh, had had wanted them, and they tried this. He, the director said, no script, we're just going to go around America, and I'll be the, um, uh, I'll interview you, as, and I'll be on screen. Um, and this is Todd Phillips, who then went on to make The Joker and loads of other huge, huge movies and The Hangover yeah. and stuff. But he, that that was the the way they were going to do it, and it hadn't worked, and they'd gone their separate ways. Um, uh, but then, so it was like we had to sit down and write a story. We decided to try and write a storyline. We spent two weeks uh, in a room writing a storyline, and I think I had two weeks on the clock of like, this is how long you're going to be in America. It was my contract. And then we got to the end of that two weeks and we gave the scripting and another You Start Monday. We gave it in on the Friday. <laughs> and then he went to see the studio on Fox on the Monday and he came back and he said, they hated it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I thought, and I remember thinking, yeah, that's, uh, that's all like, it's, you know, it's just every day is the same. Like every day is like, don't you find just every day is like, none of these things are set in stone ever, you know? Yeah, yeah. At all, like, I'm feeling right now like a little bit like, shit, am I done? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, you know? well, you know, but you do, but you go through those things. I guess what's interesting about all that as well, though, is uh, I, I'm thinking, you know, I was thinking of it, where would Peter Bainham be if he hadn't, if he hadn't gone to that photocopy room or hadn't taken that call? But yes. what's interesting is where would Alan Partridge be and where would the yes. day-to-day be and where would Chris Morris be and where would Sasha Catbarren go? Because mm. in that instance, if you hadn't gone and worked with Sasha, maybe Borat... I mean, again, I don't think Sasha would have mm. disappeared from the scene completely, but you right. never know. But but Borat mm. might not have been... You know, Borat might not have happened and, and, right. and everything that came from that. So actually, you know, we should be saying, what if it's them that's been all those people who have... Been lucky enough to work. I mean, with you're you saying the world basically falls apart if Peter Bain. Uh, well, this. apart from Fist of Fun, which you <laughs> yes. know you didn't make any fucking difference to, and it didn't help either way. <laughs> yeah, he would have survived. <laughs> Did you have another sleeping man we'd been, lined up? We'd be the only comedy show in the world if we hadn't put you in Fist of Fun and you destroyed <laughs> it. 
I think you made no difference to Fist of Fun uh, in the in terms of success, <laughs> but in everything, everything else, yeah, in everything well, else, maybe maybe Peter Bainham, maybe they should be thanking their lucky stars that you were stealing photocopy of paper. Do you know the pot noodle to... of the of the famous pot noodle campaign? That yeah. They um when they when we did that. Uh, they, they, they wanted to make people think pot noodles. Were, have I told you this before? They told, they wanted to make pot noodles seem healthy and yeah, good for I you. Definitely know this. That, yeah, oh, yeah. And it was a really ca- complicated campaign where they and then two years in to the campaign, um, they did research and they came back and they did the research <laughs> came back as like um, pot noodles are really bad for you. That's the message we failed completely. Failed in the message and from there. They leaned into the, this is just crappy food for students and men in bedsits. And they right. went, that's the, they, they gave up trying to make them. So, so I feel like I did have my effect on pot noodle. <laughs> I helped pot noodle be so honest pot noodle's still going because it would have finished without it. So in layout, you can still get pot noodles. And a yes. snack like that does, that does not necessarily yeah. last through the ages. So, yeah, I think it's all down. I think to, if I think pot noodles like Marmite, it would have been like, there's no point in advertising Marmite or pot noodles. They're just a constant. They, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's people so buy like them a, anyway. You're like a Merlin figure that you just come in and you weave. And you may be. This may go back beyond the 1990s, back through mm. the medieval times. You may be a an, an immortal being who just comes in and and helps people become successful. Yes. And I'm, I'm frankly annoyed that I worked with you and you did not weave your magic on me <laughs> and make me. Let's do another one. Let's let's, let's do it again. Let's do Fist of Fun again. We'll try it again. We'll try it again now, Mm. knowing what we know. Let's do a movie of Fist of Fun. Yes. That's that's what we need. I see no barriers to that. I see there's no complications in anyone's relationships with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Just have to green screen. Just have to green screen. Mm. Is there not? Can we not do a get back? Is there not footage we can do a get back? You know the Beatles, the brilliant Beatles thing. Do you think Peter yeah. Jackson would um, be prepared to spend millions and mil- hundreds of millions of dollars getting the footage from our rehearsal <laughs> sessions? I they and, might be, you know, but there was all the studio, the, all the studios that went on for so long. So there is loads of footage of mainly yeah. me, with Stu sitting there looking sullen, and me. Yeah. Doing my best to keep the audience going. We, I think we mm. must have had a warm up man, but I just, I basically, and I wasn't doing stand up at that time. Yeah, and I th- and I think I just sort of took over this role of trying to keep the audience entertained. And we did right. so. We had, they were so long those things. So mm. yeah, I would like that because I'm dead very much the Paul McCartney, very much the nice. Paul McCartney of Fist of yeah. Fun. Yeah. So people would yeah. look at it and go, "How oh, is Richard? Richard Herring was doing all that stuff." I was um, Stuart was the jo- the go that Stuart was the John Lennon. <laughs> yeah. And then I was the Ringo. <laughs> I want to be the George Kevin, Harrison. Kevin Eldon's probably George Harrison. Yeah. Uh, Sally Phillips is Yoko Ono. Yeah. It all works out. Yeah. And uh, now we've run out of Beatles. But, um... <laughs> Alistair McGowan is... Alistair McGowan, who did... Oh, Kev did the... We did a sketch with the, the 13th Beatle or somebody, or the 8th, the 9th Beatle or the something, ninth. where he was... He'd worked out he was the 9th most important. Mm. Anyway, let's not, okay. that's, let's not talk about that. Look, we've gone on for way too long, and I know you've got lots to do. So um, I've come to the conclusion that you are a Merlin, mm. making every, nearly everything good. Um, okay. And, uh, yeah, look, ev- well, look everyone you. should watch... Everyone should watch all of the stuff you've done, uh, but uh, do uh, brain cigar. If you've only got time for one thing Aww. in your life, 
brain cigar should be that thing that you put in your life. If you've got time, time, time for two things, also watch Runs Gone Wrong. And if you haven't got time to watch a film, then, you know, and <laughs> listen to six, ep- six episodes of a podcast. Now, I'm not interested in you being in my... Listen to this. Listen to my podcast first. Are you uh, firing a... anyone from your listenership? <laughs> I'm going to fire. You, you have a shred of decency. <laughs> um, look, it's lo- is there any? Do you, do you not do you not know what's coming up next, really? Or have you, are you going to do more animations? Are you um, going to do more? No, I'm writing a live action film, which I'm waiting to hear right now whether it'll get made into something. Um, yeah, set at a wedding, but not a romantic okay. comedy. Okay. An Altman-esque comedy, Saturday Wedding. Um, and then other, other things. Yeah, but good. You know, I'm going to be well, it's all... mysterious. Good, you should be mysterious. Um, you know, you, you've done all right, Pete. You've done all right for a boy Thank from, you, Rich. From, from Wales. <laughs> you've, <come laughs> up you've worked your way up. And, mm. you know, but also it is true that you, uh, you know, that... And you. It is, it is possible. Well, you know, but you've... You were in the Merchant Navy. I know it was a mistake, <laughs> but you were in the Merchant Navy. You know, mm. you could have gone a very different way in your life. I was always like wanted to do comedy, mm. and you know, and and had, I mean, I'm more. I guess I, I didn't have much more of a, a leg up. I was a headmaster's son, but I was, mm. you know, it was it was at least a possibility. Whereas I think you know, you're a working class lad who's. Found your way to Hollywood. It's the, it's well, I wasn't the, working the, class. My, my well, there's a long story behind my dad and his. <laughs> but his, you work. You work. You work in class. If you work in the Merchant Navy, you work. You that makes you work in class because that's a the, the mm. Merchant Navy is a is a working class job. So, yeah. um, In mm. any case, it's possible with a bit of luck, steal some photocopy paper, mm. uh, have a mate who tells you when you're being a dick in the pub and mm. tells you to ring ring back Borat. Um, okay. But it's possible. So it's very inspiring. Get, keep going, Pete. It's always loved to talk Thank to you. you. La- ladies and gentlemen, the amazing Peter Bainham, Bye. king of comedy. Thank you. He's the king <laughs> of comedy. <laughs> you have been listening to Rahalastapa with me, Rich Terring, and my guest, Peter Bainham. The music is, of course, by Scant Regard. I'm indebted to my friend Chris Evans, not that one. Uh, who set up all of the necessary stuff to make this remote podcast work. I'm also indebted to Ben Walker, even though he didn't have much to do with this particular episode, but uh, certainly helped us out by editing all the ads and all that stuff. So, you know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. That's what I would say. Thank you very much, Peter, for joining us. Uh, Thank you to uh, Ian Zoom for allowing this to happen, and Ian Zencaster. They're very good guys. Um... Do become a monthly badger. GoFasterStripe.com slash badges. This is a Sky Potato Fuzz on GoFasterStripe.com production. Come and see us live. It's going to be fun. RichardHerring.com slash gigs for more details. I love you all. Richard Herring out. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code presson25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press on falsies. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out.